This is Agents Influence Podcast. The problem statement that I always go to is people have no clue what's in their insurance policies. Consumers have absolutely no clue, and frankly, they don't really care that much because they expect their broker to figure it out for them. Brokers struggle to figure it out because the carriers are not making it very easy for them. And carriers don't know what's in their policies because they have libraries full of thousands and thousands of endorsements with hundreds of thousands of clauses and all these weird limits and deductibles. and It's just insanity. And so we wanted to see if we could sort out that problem for the industry. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 everybody. How are you doing out there? This is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, conversations with Jason Cass. And I'm really excited to be back. It's it's been a little bit of time since I've actually done an agency or an agent's influence, been doing a lot of agency intelligence. And this is the reason why I created two podcasts so I can separate them in your mind because some people like this conversation I'm getting ready to have with Chris. Some people, you know, like the conversations I have with Miles Merlin and Eric Garcia. So sometimes that's all I'm trying to do is just try to mix it up a little bit. And I think you're going to get a little bit of that today as well. But here's what I really want to let you guys know. It was super exciting, BrainShare. BrainShare was a huge success. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that because the people who have left there and have told me things that they're implementing in their office and some of the things that they're doing are freaking fantastic. I mean, they just really, really are. And so one of the things that I really want to get at whenever we're we're looking at, at things is I want us to learn from those things. Let me give you an example. The best way to learn from it is by you getting the recordings. Now, I'm saying this to you because you really need to get this. For example, Billy Williams talks about in there about how there are 171,000 commonly used words in the English language, and they're all built on 26 letters. And he has found that there's 23 processes that he can take any agency, any size, no matter the matrix of parameters that could be different of that agency. And he can execute these 23 processes. He can scale any agency. It doesn't matter what, because these processes make up what makes a successful agency, just like those 26 letters make up those 171,000 different words. And so when you listen to him talk about that, when you listen to Matt Naomi and Zach Gold, and you listen to them talk about some of the things that they're doing, I mean, it's phenomenal. A whole hour where they sit there and answer questions about their system, their processes. So if you want to look at this, you can go into insuranceagencyintelligence.com. That's insuranceagencyintelligence.com. Just go there and you'll see right on the homepage where you can purchase the tickets. And for some reason, if you can't find it, you're like, hey, Jason, where's this at? All you have to do is just hit me at jason at growprogram.com. And we are doing some some stuff on the website at all the time. So maybe something's been changed and we haven't put it back there. You can hit me at jason at growprogram.com. All right, that sound fair? Because I, I want you guys to really, really grasp what happened there because it is unbelievable. I think there's like eight or nine hours of actual audio and it's 150 bucks. It was 250, but you got like free mastermind and all that. So it's 150, but check it out. Once again, I just want you to be better. And the people who have bought it already, who weren't there are telling me that like they're kicking themselves in their B-U-T-T that they didn't go. So in the meantime, 
Here's what I want to get on with now. Since this is Conversations with Jason Cass, I would like to bring on um, a CEO of Risk Genius. He is a curious uh, reader. And one of the things that, you know, he is a Jayhawk, you know, for all you big eight people out there, you know, big 12, you know, I'm an SEC guy, so maybe we shouldn't go there. I'm a Kentucky guy, so maybe we really shouldn't go there. But we're going to deal with it. And welcome to the conversation, Mr. Chris Cheatham. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Rock, chalk, Jayhawk. Yeah, see, that's right. I mean, we, hey, dude, you don't understand that. I'm the one who hit record. I can hit stop on this at any time. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, no, seriously, though, man, that is cool. I didn't actually know that until um, looking at some of your stuff about 30 minutes or an hour before, you know, just trying to check you out. You and I were brought together through the one and only Ryan Hanley. I think you reached out to him and he connected us. And I love Ryan. That, that's my bro, huh? Yep. We were doing this stuff band back in 2009, 2010, when people people who are in this industry changing it right now, we're not even in this industry. And we were talking about blogging and website conversions and, and technology dominating the industry. And here we are in 2018, and I'm speaking with Chris of CEO of Risk Genius, who's doing exactly that. So Chris, when we get on with this, my listeners are expecting some answers, okay, before we start. Right. Are you an iPhone? Or are you a Droid user? Uh, so I'm an iPhone user, and it's just out of habit more than anything else. I was actually thinking about this when I was listening to one of your other podcasts. I just don't care enough to go try to switch. All the programmers in our office tell me I should switch. Ah. Yeah, all the coders, right? But they're still using MacBook Pros, right? So I think that things are starting to switch over. But in the end, I just don't care. It's too much time to try to figure out what's better. It is, it is. And and you know what? I don't think anyone's better. It just um once again it shows that like if you're the CEOs, if you're in the C suites, you learn more towards the, the iPhones. Yeah. But if you're more of the programmers and stuff, and that's the thing that comes out of this is is to see that because you can almost guess what that person is. I, I knew for sure that you were gonna probably say iPhone. The only reason why I was going to say differently is because you are from a tech company. Yeah. And sometimes I was like, well, he, maybe he could be a droid user there. So do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Uh, I definitely love to win. Love to win. I like the highs. The lows aren't real fun. So I try to focus <laughs> on those highs and forget about the lows. So definitely I play to win. Cool. That That's a good answer, bro. That's a darn good answer. And that is one of those answers that you can let like the dog chasing their tail, right? Yep. Just like goes round and round. It doesn't really, you don't really know. I mean, and you know, it's a, it's a university of Kansas thing too, right? We win basketball. <laughs> we're the most storied program out there. Jeez, so like, <laughs> oh my we, gosh, I play to win just like, just like the Jayhawks and Bill Self, the best coach in basketball, right? <laughs> you are true though. I mean, the dude is is phenomenal coach. He knows how to build programs. And at the end of the day, I love people who just build shit, right? Yeah. I love that. So last question, which is more successful in your life, having the skill or having luck? I think skill only because I think luck actually follows the skill, right? So serendipity is a word that I love. And one thing I've noticed is when you acquire the skill, when you keep showing up each day and doing your thing, then the luck follows. It's not like you just get lucky randomly. You get lucky because mm -hmm. you've been trying. So uh, I'd say skill over luck any day. Right. So you have to buy the lottery ticket in order to win the yeah. lottery, right? You were intentionally trying, you know? And so then I got lucky, yeah. right? It doesn't necessarily mean on the skill there, but you're saying one before the other. I like that. You know, I was, when I was at Brainshare, I was uh, playing on the craps. 
table and my wife and I, that's our vice. We don't really gamble much, but when we do, that's what we like to do. And we're playing and I'm talking with this lady and she's been doing it for like 34 years. And I mean, she's switching around the table, going to breaks, coming back. And my wife and I were there for a really long time. And one thing she told me upon this conversation, we were having this long conversation over a couple hours, was she looked right at me and she said, let me tell you something. When it comes to this, there's very little skill. It just has to do with hmm. luck. And, she, and, you know, and it was really, really crazy when she was saying that because at the end of the day, I guess you could know the odds and stuff, but you don't control the way that those dice roll, yep. you know? And so, and there's a lot of parts of life like that too, right? We just don't control the things that we probably should and, or that we can. And so then maybe at that point in time, it was luck. I just, I just remember that. I thought to myself, that was pretty good at that point in time. And then I thought that I was like the master by, you know, choosing number six and it never hit and I lost my money. So it's obvious has nothing to do with skill. So anyways, Chris, take us back, take us back to the beginning. I mean, take us back diapers, high school, college, wherever you want to start. Yeah. Give us a little bit of who you are and bring us forward. Let's, let's see if we, let our, the loyal listeners relate. Yeah. So, well, somehow I ended up coming out of college and law school and becoming a insurance attorney, right? So insurance claims attorney. If you write any surety bonds, then you'll know what I'm talking about. I was doing surety claims. So big contractors going out of business or getting kicked off construction projects, they'd send me in to go figure out what happened with a bunch of consultants. And every time we started one of those cases, you know, I'd get a box or a room full of really messy documents. And so that seemed like a problem we're solving. Like, why am I wasting so much time trying to just organize these messy documents? I'm charging my insurance customers a lot of money. Had a really great mentor at one of these insurance companies. And so she and I kind of spitballed for a while and came up initially with this idea where we were going to do claim document management. And it's about as terrible as that sounds. <laughs> Literally going to like imagine going to a construction site and not knowing anyone there walking in. These people aren't real happy that they are in trouble on that construction project. And then saying, Hey, by the way, give me all your documents. That's basically what we did. And then we took it further and we'd say, Give me all your data. So we're going to copy all your emails. Wow. It was insanity. That was the first business model I came up with. So, you know, gather your opinions about me as you may. <laughs> So that company we were doing, you know, we started in 2012, we were doing that for a couple of years. And then we found ourselves working on a very large claim down in Panama involving a canal. It was like a $800 million performance bond at stake. And so we're organizing the documents on that, which I still laugh about, which is just insanity. Wow. Because we're just, we're like a two or three person company at that time, right? And so... We're doing that and underwriters from that carrier started logging into our software because previously it was just all claims people. So an underwriter logged in and, and she called me and she said, hey, Chris, we really like your software because we built this kind of claim document management software, basically document management. She said, we really like your software. Could we use this for contract review and policy review? And in my head, I thought, oh my gosh, can I move to the underwriting world? That sounds awesome. And so... <laughs> started exploring what it meant to do contract review and policy review and quickly realized after lots and lots of conversations, I think we've done over thousands of demos at this point where I just hear about problems with insurance policies. And the problem statement that I always go to is people have no clue what's in their insurance policies. Consumers have absolutely no clue. And frankly, they don't really care that much because they right. expect their broker to figure it out for them. 
brokers struggle to figure it out because the carriers are not making it very easy for them. And carriers don't know what's in their policies because they have libraries full of thousands and thousands of endorsements with hundreds of thousands of clauses and all these weird limits and deductibles. And it's just insanity. And so we wanted to see if we could sort out that problem for the industry. And so, yeah, we have a couple products now where we're doing that. And Risk Genius seems to be humming along. Wow. I didn't even know there was such thing as, what did you say you were when you entered the industry? A claims attorney? Uh, I was a surety claims attorney. Yeah. Wow. An $800 million bond risk out there. Holy crap. That's, yep. uh, wow. It's going to be yep. probably another three or four years before I control even $800 million in premium, let alone that. Wow. That, that's phenomenal. That is just absolutely amazing. So now, I mean, give us a little lowdown. So you guys went together and you said, hey, I'm going to create this uh, CEO risk genius. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. So I mean, what got you out there doing it? How did it start? How did it look? And, and what was your f- first product you came out with? Yeah, yeah. So initially, we were talking to a lot of underwriters, not as many brokers. And so we learned about the problem of reading policy language. So think about a couple examples, like imagine you are an underwriter working at, let's say, AIG, and you're told, hey, go create us a new cyber insurance policy. How do you do that? Well, what you do is you go and you collect the rest of the industry's cyber insurance policies. And then you start one of the most tedious and horrible tasks I've ever come across, You copy a clause from one policy and you paste it into a spreadsheet and then you label it. You copy the next clause in that policy, you paste it into a spreadsheet, you label it, and you continue to do this. And it probably will take you three months, six months, nine months, depending on how deep you're going, literally just copying clauses and pasting them. And yeah, so you do this for, I don't know, 10 policies, 20 policies, depending on how many carriers you're going to look at. And then you can sort by those labels. Right. So then you can see all of the, uh, let's say, you can see all the definitions of malware across the industry or all the exclusions for computer virus, whatever you want to call it. And so then you can kind of line them up and read them and analyze them and type them up. And so we initially created software that does that, but it does it in seconds because we're using machine learning to go through an insurance policy, break out the clauses, and then categorize those clauses by attaching a label to them. It's really a great application of machine learning. Holy cow. And so when you say machine learning, can you give me an example? For loyal listeners out there, like I hear this machine learning, how does this work in your product? Can you go a little deeper? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it started with, well, I'll kind of run you through how kind of a machine learning solution comes. It's number one, it's really messy. So everyone probably, you know, when you hear about something, you think of it as a very clean process. I'm not sure there's anything messier in software than machine learning uh, because it involves, it's just pure R&D to start like research and development. So the way we started is I sat at a computer with my co-founder. He was in another state and we literally did what I described before, copied clauses and pasted them to a spreadsheet and then typed out labels. Wow. So yeah, right. And so I do that to 4 a.m. sometimes, especially when we were trying to turn policies for people and still doing a lot of manual review. So at this point, we've done that for hundreds of thousands of clauses, if I probably millions of clauses. I don't even have a count anymore. So what you do is you take all those clauses with all these labels and you feed them to a machine, this machine learning program, right? And so it creates this multivariable, like it's like beyond four dimensional, as I understand it, kind of index where it scores all these clauses and each of the individual words against each other. So then each clause gets a cumulative score. And so then when we bring a new clause in, 
and we pass it through the index, it scores that clause against every other clause and every other word in the index. Wow. So then, yeah, so then I can see this clause right here is most similar to clause A. Clause A was called exclusion-war, so this should be called exclusion-war as well. Does that make sense? Wow, it does. You put that very simple and... I mean, so obviously, the more information the machine can get, the more it can index, the smarter it gets. Yep, absolutely right. Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice, the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you, what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this, crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners, like me, experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice, we're more than just talk. Cast approved. Okay. So your key is, and then how do you check that? How do you go back? Do you go back and like, and every once in a while, you know, pinpoint a saw and say, Hey, let me see if that was right. Or how do you yeah, know? Absolutely. That? Okay. So one of the things that we do, we actually do supervised review on every document because we've learned that underwriters and brokers have no interest in training a machine learning program. It's actually something that I assumed from the beginning. And it's, you know, other companies are out there in adjacent industries, like there's people doing real estate contracts or I don't know, whatever else you want to look at in the contract world. And a lot of their people, their users will train up the machine by typing in what the clause is. We just didn't think that would work because underwriters and brokers have no time for that kind of nonsense. Sense. Right. And so we do the supervisor review, which means we have, there's a basically an entirely different product we've built for our supervised review team. So then the clauses and the categories pop up and we see a relevancy score, which is kind of basically an indicator of whether this is likely right or wrong. And then we can go in and correct things if we need to on the fly. Huh? Yeah. Dude. Wow. Boy, <laughs> listeners, are you with me? Like, you're sitting there, you're driving around or you're swimming or something right now thinking like, man, I'm just thinking of my day for the next hour. I mean, that, you know, and we're thinking of the basic things that we do of returning clients and looking at policies and hearing and fixing their service issues and claim issues. And I mean, you're looking at this from a whole different level, Chris, because I guarantee you I'm an average agent out there and we ain't thinking about this. Thank God, people. You know, I was in the military for a very short time. And when I got out, I thought to myself, thank God there are people like these people in the military that like need to be in the military, right? Thank God we have those people because I'm not one. And I say that about you, like what you're telling me is so interesting, but to be honest with you, I have no interest in actually doing it. I just get, I get amazed by people like yourself that have put this together and said, this is a need. And how can we fill that? Because really, if you think about it, InsureTech is just old fashioned sales. That's what you're doing, right? When it's a sales, I'm trying to find the need that a client has or the pain point or the weakness, and I'm trying to fix that. 
And I mean, that's really what you guys are doing. You're coming to this industry who's archaic and saying, my gosh, guys, look at what you're doing. This is like, I mean, seriously, Geico talks about the caveman because you really are acting like cavemen here, you know, and not able to do that. And you're simplifying it. And I love people like yourself, Chris, who were on the ground, like doing it and saying, this could be done better, you know? And then how many times were the success stories your story? How many times are the success story of, I was just trying to make it easier for people to do this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, people call me up and say, hey, we'd like to use your program and we'd like, well, hell, we'll even pay you for it. And you're thinking, well, son of a gun, I thought about this, but that's what's so beautiful. And I think there's a lot of companies out there, InsureTech, inside of the insurance industry, outside, who don't have that mindset, right? Uh It's like, I'm going to go find a pain point so I can make some money. And then I think that's where they run into the, uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, I was just, you reminded me of this analogy that I really like when I look at InsurTech. So whenever I see an InsurTech company, I always try to classify them into one of two categories. So, and I'm stealing this from some VC out on the West Coast. He applied it just to any, anytime there's like a software boom or a particular industry that gets hot, you know, there's two types of companies that emerge. There are uh, pickaxe companies and there are miners, right? And so a miner is the company in the insurance industry trying to go get the customers, in my opinion, like that's where the gold's at. But the pickaxe companies are sitting there and saying, well, you can go kill yourself trying to get the customers trying to find that gold. We're going to give you the supplies to do it better, right? And so back in the gold rush, there was one really famous pickaxe company, Levi Strauss, right? Provided jeans for the miners, huge company now, right? And I think that that's actually the most interesting part to me of the insurtech space is who are the miners that are out there? I'm like, Ask Kodiak is one that I love, right? Where they're helping people with risk appetite. Bold Penguin's one. I know you know all these guys. Mm-hmm. And you know the thing that really stands apart for me with the pickaxe companies is they are looking to help the industry and solve a problem. I'm not entirely convinced that trying to get more customers or mine for customers is a problem we're solving, which I know sounds completely crazy, but like, you know, I've heard the stats about how much it costs to buy customers and do lead gen and that sort of thing, especially for the carriers. It's crazy. Like the amount of money spent on advertising to attract customers is nuts in the insurance space. And I'm always kind of amazed that people don't spend more, don't focus more on improving kind of the operational efficiencies so that it just becomes cheaper to acquire those customers because your bottom line is better. Dude, Chris, back up, back up because it's on, okay? (laughs) I mean, and the reason why I say this is, is I talk about this all the time. So Chris, let me bring this. So when you're trying to talk to your to the people that you run with and you want to understand an agent, understand this. And most agents don't understand this. It's about the customer experience. Oh, here we go again. No, I wrote the book back in 2014. Everybody likes to make it a buzzword today. But I say to them all the time, quit hiring producers to then go out and look for new business sales who, when they find them and they bring them in, they have a 30 to 40% closing ratio. They have no relationship with you or anything. It works, right? I've built my agency that way. Millions or thousands of agents have. But why not work on with the things that are going on in your agency? Why not work on your customer experience and your staff employee experience to where you can create a culture and an experience for your customers that those who are in it do nothing but go tell other people about it? So now you're saving money in marketing costs. But not only that, the people they tell are coming in with trust borrowed from your current client. And then not only they borrowed from that current client, they have an 80% closing ratio. So we're doubling 
the amount of efficiency, or I'm sorry, of productivity, and then we're helping and by doing and changing the efficiency. So the efficiency is doing the same with less, where productivity is doing more with the same. And I think that that's the opposite ends there where you get proficient to where it's proficient to be at that medium. And that's what you're saying here. And I love the minor in the pick, by the way. Thoughts on that, Chris? No, I mean, that's that's where it's at. Like, I don't think there's a lot of space to go buy customers. I think there's a ton of space just to improve. Like, I mean, there's still companies out there that have paper documents and like have to print stuff out and fax stuff. And like, I would argue that 95% of you know, brokers and agents that actually do policy checks, because not all of them do policy checks. Very, but, very few do. Yeah, right. And like, but the ones that do are printing them out and kind of redlining the documents with actually a red pen, which is mind boggling. And so <laughs> like, I just, uh, yeah, it, I, sometimes I shake my head, but like, that's fine. It's a problem we're solving. So here we are. Well, and you are solving it because I consider myself a young agent. And to me, we weren't trained back in the old days about how you literally could manuscript endorsements, right? You could, yep. you had to put these endorsements on. The young new age producer of the last 15 to 20 years, we've given everything in packages, Right. So like in commercial lines, which I write a lot of, yeah, we may have to have an individual, you know, general liability property policy. And we're still trained that that's a package. But when it comes from the carrier as a package, we don't necessarily like I was tra- I was trained on business income, business income from dependent or third parties. And, you know, and that's how you separate yourself. Yeah, but when 80% of everything we write is on a bop and that's thrown in, we start to get lazy as producers to say, we don't really need to do the policy check because it's the same thing as last year. Now, I could say that you should, and I also should say that we should be calling them to find out if any of their operations have changed, which with commercial lines we do. But you are exactly correct that I don't want to do it. I've never really been trained to do it. And here's probably the biggest pitfall that makes your product valuable. I trust that the carriers have the policy that gives me the coverage I need. And even if I jump to another company, I'm trusting that that company is the same. But yet every day, Chris, we try to explain to our customers why their relationship with us is important and that the company, we have them because not all policies are the same. But yet we think that way as producers. Interesting thought. You got me really thinking here. Well, and so then let's take this to the next step, right? Imagine you have every policy that you write, you have the data from that now, right? So structured data, limits, deductibles, premiums, form numbers. And if you really want to, you can go through each form and annotate what it's about, right? Plus you have the customer information, customer name, address, you know, whatever else is in the policy, premium. What do you start doing with that data? That's when things I think get really interesting for the brokers, because then you accumulate all that data. What are you going to do with that? Then you can do some crazy benchmarking stuff that no one's ever done before. And then maybe, you know, smaller brokers start talking about putting their data together and figuring out benchmarking. So I'm going to be really curious to see see what people start doing with this data down the road too. So Chris, dude, here's the deal. Man, Chris, dude, I'm telling you, you and I got to get together, bro. Like we are on the same wavelength because here's the deal. I'm trying to write a part two to my book and I'm calling it the great separator. And there's three things that are going to separate you from the guy down the road. And it is data, people, and process. And it's going to come to where, and data is a huge thing. You, Chris, you don't go to the, the conferences I go to, the awesome conferences, okay? Like what I mean by that is like IAOA, and maybe you do, and Elevate, maybe you do, and Brainshare, maybe you do. Those are the top three. But even in the other conferences that we're in, 
no one ever talks about data. Yep. No one ever talks about it. But yet we know that it like rules our lives, right? We're like, we're like, oh man, data. I hope they have data on me there. Hmm, I wonder how they knew I was looking for socks. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, we have all this data hitting us that's changing our life, but inside of our agency, we're not doing that. So here you are talking about data. And that's the question I've gotten from agents that say, okay, Jason, if you say that it's important for me to talk to about data, how do I collect that data and what, what do I do with it? And I think that's one of the gaps there that you hopefully are trying to fill and that you're questioning right now. Am I right? Yeah, no, that's right. And like that data, it, you literally could not, well, you could if you really wanted to, but it was really hard to get previously because like, you know this, like I hand you a hundred page insurance policy and I'm like, all right, pull out the 50 key data points from this document. It takes time, even if you're trained in insurance and you've been looking at the policies forever. And you know, then you try to train your team to do it it's a very manually intensive process. You've got better things to do. It needs to be a secondary thing that builds upon a process that's being improved on the front end. So you can't get the data, number one, unless you're improving something else on the front end that costs you money. And so I think that's the key is like, there's data coming that wasn't available previously, unless you were willing to spend a lot of money having humans process it. Now with the machines coming, now with the AI coming, now with the machine learning coming, it's actually going to be feasible to get this data. That's the key. Data. Did you hear that, loyal listeners? He used the word process, and he also talked about front end. That means people. That means getting people, whether it's the insured or it's our employees, trying to get that data. I say this all the time, Chris. To get good data, you're going to have to have the right people that understand the right processes of how to collect that data. Garbage in, garbage out. That's what you're saying. You got to have to have the right people. You're going to have to have the right data and processes. People today in this world are there starting to live. It's becoming a more feminine world and they're becoming in processes and sharing and social and working together, collaborating in teams, which has to do. So if you don't have the processes, you're not going to be able to get the people. And if you don't know the data on what you're looking for, not only just in customers, but for the people that you're looking for, customer people, but also your employees. And there's no way that you're ever going to have a good process if you don't have the data and the people to put that together. They all three go on each other. And I think it's something that no one's talking about. And Chris, I'm going to be honest with you. I talk with all my other agent friends about this. I talked with some of your insure tech buddies and, and counterparts. No one's thinking the way you are. And the reason why I know it is because that's the way I'm thinking. And when I talk yeah. to people, they're not talking like, now when I bring it up to them, they don't disagree. Right. It's not like they're like, oh, I think that's wrong. But they're just kind of, even the people who should be pushing the envelope are not thinking about data. And I love what you said. It's very, you made it so simple. You've done that a lot of times, Chris, which I appreciate, is that you said it's data that was never there. So because you don't know what to do with the data or how to collect the data, you shouldn't see that as a downfall or as a challenge or a, or a holdback to you. You just need to understand that, hey, it's now there. Start figuring out and looking at things like Policy Genius that are going to, you know, that are going to help me see it. Am I right about that? Yeah, Rich. No, it's all good. It's all good. Actually, a quick funny story. Like, I did not even know Policy Genius was a thing when we named our company because I was not paying into, to attention to InsureTech. And like, I'd swear a month later, I was like, oh, man, Policy Genius. Dude. I'm going to be honest with you. I do have heard about them, but I didn't, I was not doing that on purpose. It was, all right, I'm not, no, my oh, okay. mind's slipping risk genius. I, what, I don't even know what property genius does, to be honest with you. But I like, I know who you are because I see you float around inside of LinkedIn. And I, didn't you used to have your profile picture up, but now you don't? Do I not have a profile picture up? I should. 
No, you should. I think you have like lightish blondish hair. If I'm yeah, correct. that's weird. I'm looking yeah, right now. yeah, it is weird. No, yeah, it is. Up. I have a picture up. I don't think. Okay, I don't think we're. Then, that's weird. It should be up because it's up right now. Wow, I am on LinkedIn looking at your profile and you do not have it up. So, anyways, okay, that that is just weird as can be, but it's technology, right? Yeah, that's what it is. So, if there's anything and any reason why that you've built what you've built. Why would an agent or broker like me in an agency dealing with auto and home and some commercial clients, majority of the people out there are probably, it's amazing how majority of commercial insurance is held by insurance agents, but a lot of the insurance agents I know don't really do a lot of commercial. And it's amazing. I have a lot of friends in the industry. Why would they have any desire or any need other than what you've told us? Yep. What is that one reason why they would need Risk Genius now or in the future? Yeah. So I'll give you, I I like emotional reasons for doing things, right? And I do too. I'll give you the emotional reason why we built Risk Genius for brokers, the genius check tool. I kept hearing from brokers, particularly the account executives or the customer service reps, whatever you want to call them. And they kept saying, policy checking is what I do on nights and weekends because I don't have time. And it's important enough to do it because it can lead to E&O claims, but I just don't have time. That to me was music to my ears. That's exactly why we decided to go solve the problem. So, I mean, if you like watching TV and doing policy checking, sure, keep doing it that way. <laughs> Otherwise, if you want to enjoy your wine and watch The Bachelor, then use Genius Check and, and stop policy checking when you should not be. Loyal listeners, he said The Bachelor. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. I just think that's great. I don't know if The Bachelor has ever been referenced you know, in like 470 some podcasts. I don't think anybody's ever done it. I appreciate that. So that's <laughs> awesome. But no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I think if you want to sit around and you do an apology check and when you're eating you know, or dinner at night, you probably should have been a teacher and grading papers, right? I'm not being a smart, but I'm being serious. Like That's something that even teachers don't like to do. So if they could get away with that, why would you not do that? So that's fantastic. Chris, wrapping this up with leaders are readers and readers surely are leaders. What is something that you're reading right now? Oh man, I'm slogging through a book right now called The Story of Philosophy. I actually, really weird story, but I bought it back when I was in high school because I was looking at the philosophy section at like a Barnes and Noble, like when they still existed. And <laughs> some weird, some weird dude just walked up and he's like, oh, you're looking up philosophy. I was like, yeah. He's like, you should get that. And it's like by Will Durant. And, you know, I bought it and like, I've gotten a third of the way through like multiple times in my life. So I was like, I'm going to get through this. I'll be honest. I, I understand probably 10% of it, but I'm determined to get through it. But the book that I just finished that I really like was Principles by Ray Dalio. Amazing. Like best business book, one of the best business books I've ever read. So that one I can highly recommend. In 20 seconds, what's it about? It's basically about radical transparency within organizations. So Ray Dalio has this company called Bridgewater that's one of the top five most successful private equity firms in the world, like billions and billions of dollars. And it's his whole management style written out. And like, I know that sounds boring if you don't like business books, but it's a totally different way. And like the organization just scares people to some degree because like radical transparency is literally like telling people, you just failed miserably in that presentation to our customer what were you thinking? Here's X, Y, and Z that you did wrong. Like imagine like that's how we interact. Like if I got off this and I called you and I was like, hey, Jason, that podcast sucked because of X, Y, Z. Like that's how they talk at this company. And it's really, really interesting to think about what would that look like within your own organization? Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jack Welsh, the uh, longtime CEO of General Electric said in his book, he said, if you're not going to be candid, don't bother having a meeting. Yep. 
And I really think that that's what he speaks to there. Like there's so many times we're talking about something at the table or at a a meeting and there's three people in the room that are sitting at the table, nodding their head. Yes. In total disagreement. And that disagreement, they don't realize spreads over into the office and in everything they do rather than let's just confront it. Let's just talk about it. And I think, I think a lot of agencies deal with that. I know that's something that we deal. We have a lady in our office. She's fantastic. She hates confrontation. And it's getting, helping her understand that she's not confrontating anybody. What she's doing is she's bringing light to a weakness we have in our agency that we could fix that is going to help us create a better experience, which is going to help us be more efficient and productive in creating a better agency and everybody's making money. Yep. And so it's just slowly getting her. Now, what's amazing is, is as she becomes, she just came to me and said, Jason, read this task and da 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 about this. And I was ecstatic. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's actually standing up and saying, this was not written correctly per our process and da 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 And so when I went to the producer and I was talking to him about the way that's supposed to be written out and, and he knows it and he's got a policy written out, a procedure of exactly what he's supposed to put in there. And I said to him, I said, this is good news for our agency. Like she actually stepped up and said, this is a problem and it's causing me an issue. Can we get it fixed? You know? And I think to me, that was a huge, great positive step in our agency because we were able to be candid and be mature about it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I heard somebody in our organization the other day make a critique of someone and then they apologized afterwards. And so I made a note actually to follow up with them and be like, don't apologize. I don't want you apologizing. Just tell them what you think. Right. You don't have to like clear your throat afterwards. So Right. It's about the don't don't have an evil tone. Don't cuss at them. But you know, be respectful and let's have an adult conversation. That's all it Absolutely. is. Now, one thing I want to ask you real quick before we get off, this is kind of a side note. Do you like philosophy? I don't know. It's a really good question. I like it's a little too out there, especially like the more modern philosophy has gotten really metaphysical and I'm not sure I've totally understand it or trace it. So, Okay. Well, here's the thing. There's a podcast out there and it's called Philosophize This. Oh, cool. And I'm just telling you, I've never been a philosophy guy and I happened to be listening and I jumped ahead to like episode 104 or 105 about the Frankfurt School of Thought and I listened to it. And in the first like two or three, I was blown away. I stopped and I went all the way back to number one and listened to it. And I'm like at number 70 or something. And it goes all the way back and it starts like at the first philosopher, like the first recorded, and he breaks it into different time periods, but he also breaks it into different regions, like the way they thought in Western Europe versus Asia and different things like that. I'll be honest with you. I love philosophy after listening to this podcast and the guy's really, really good. And so anyways, you just said that and about the book and I know it was back in school, you bought it, but I thought to myself, it's really, really cool. And it also helps you understand and piece philosophy together when you see how each philosopher built upon the other one. You know, and then when they why off, it's how each built upon that. And then they why off, and it's like, wow, it's unbelievable. I will tell you this just for all you loyal listeners and for Chris if you really, really look at it, like Socrates really was one of like the smartest dudes in the world. And he's still the smartest guy ever. I mean, the dude was genius and it was genius at the way he would argue with people. That's what I'm talking about. Like he already knew the way they were going to think about something so he could position what he wanted to get to them. Psychologically, mentally, the dude was a genius. But anyways, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. We've been on for about 40 minutes. So I've Greatly appreciate you taking that much time as a CEO, even though it's a little three, four person company. I've ran three or four pieces of company, and sometimes oh, those no, can no, be the- or like 
we're like 20 now. Okay. So, 20. Yeah. Uh, that was at the yeah. time. That was at the time. Gotcha. That way was at the time. Then. Yeah. Way back. I was going to say, I didn't know how the hell you guys were doing it with that many people, but yeah. Okay. That makes sense now. I look forward to you, man. I hope to see you out there in the world and I wish you all the luck. And I will tell you, I'm kind of interested in your product and I'm pretty sure when it gets out there in the world, I think you're going to have people who are going to probably reach out to you. I mean, there's over 25,000 agents a, a month that listen to this podcast. So if, how can they get a hold of you if they need to get a hold of you, Chris? Yeah, you can just email me, chris at riskgenius.com. I post a lot on LinkedIn, like you mentioned too. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to connect there as well. Or Twitter, I'm Chris Cheatham. So wherever you want to connect, probably email's best though. So it was chris at riskgenius.com. I think he, just like everything else he does, it seems like in the last 40 minutes, he makes it easy, guys. So just- That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's right. That's the pain point you're always trying to fill. So hey, Chris, appreciate your time. And once again, if any of you guys have any questions about anything you heard or you want to find about these recordings, please hit me at jason at growprogram.com, jason at growprogram.com. And in the meantime, this has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass, and I am out. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. It's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokered Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified.